Welcome back to the table. Welcome to the Meeting of the Unknown Minds podcast, episode number 14. This is going to be a fun one. You're going to definitely be strapping uh, strapping into your chairs, wherever you might be, uh, or you're going to be laughing a lot on the run. I think you're going to learn a lot. You're going to get rubbed the wrong way. You might hear a few extra cuss words. You never know what's going to happen on this, this edition of the podcast. It is going to be a special one, a fun one. But first and foremost, before we get going, um, hopefully you guys are rocking out to it just like we were. Uh, we had Mr. Darren Flowers, of course, our resident uh, in-house blues musician, jamming out. Uh, brand new song just dropped. It's on SoundCloud right now. You can download it. The song is called Better Someday. Uh, Darren, tell, tell the people a little bit about it. Yeah, man. I, uh, man, I just, you know, you, you see what, what's going on with, with everything. Um, just, you know, people losing jobs and just a lot of friends that are struggling right now. So, man, I just thought I'd write something. Um hopefully lift some people's spirits and you know to realize this this ain't going to be like this forever and and to keep moving forward i thought it was a great one a great vibe to it a great little quiet you know almost updated bluesy theme to it and overall i think your message is great and you're right this isn't going to last forever this is something that'll be you know we'll get through this as many people say but uh, it's just tough right now i thought you did a great job with it darren nicely done thanks brother Absolutely. So as we just did, you know, introduce Darren Flowers. He's the director of uh, track and field and cross country down at UTRGV. Um, we've got up in the up with us as well. As always, he's changed his background, finally flipped the head around. He found a better place in the house to actually do stuff. I'm not talking about uh, Mike Herb because he's not around tonight. We're talking about Scott Williamson out of the University of Nevada, the associate head coach that jumps multi is extraordinaire. Scott, how are we doing out west? Doing well. I think we got the different background. My my wife wanted me out of the downstairs, so I got kicked upstairs. So uh, I got a little bit different background, but I'm super excited for the for the talk this evening. Hey, how's the? Uh, I got to ask the question because last time we were on, we knew the air quality there was uh, unbelievably poor. Has it improved out west? Yeah, last Friday we we kind of had a big uh, front come through and wind winds kicked up and kind of moved everything out of the area. So. Uh, I know our distance squad is happy about that. They're able to get outside and do some some running. Uh, they were pretty limited the last few weeks, so it's it's a lot better. Actually, it was a beautiful day today, like low low 80s and just sunny, so it was great. Perfect. Perfect. I'm glad you guys are doing better out there. That front is always going to help. That's a great thing. And uh, another, another panelist we have tonight is uh, the, our favorite bald-headed gentleman, resident bald-headed guy, uh, the cross country down at St. Louis University. Mr. John Bell, how we doing, sir? Doing well. We're on a little uh, baseball duty tonight uh, with the kids. So uh, we've already had an hour and a half of practice, and now we're off to batting practice. I, baseball coaches, I, I don't know. I don't know about that group. I, I would have put uh, batting practice during practice time, but what do I know? I'm just a track coach. <laughs> I don't know. I normally have a good comment for that one, but I, I really don't. Because I figured you'd work on hitting during hitting and hitting after, but apparently because you can't run and then go run more because you're going to break eventually. Yeah. So, so no, I'm excited to excited for another conversation. To, you know, this is such a an important time in uh, track and field right now that we need to have these conversations. 
Absolutely agree with you. And um, as we started out originally, ladies and gentlemen, we truly appreciate you guys being here. Um, so sit back and relax again. Uh, pour the sweet tea, put the co coffee, another, you know, put another pot of coffee on or another cup of coffee, brew whatever you want to do in that K-cup or the Keurig, whatever you got going on with that kind of stuff. Get some water if you're out and about or even uh, if you're sitting back, relax and pop a couple tops relax and enjoy this one. Hopefully uh, you get as much value out of it as we do doing it. We'll try and do, do you uh, some good justice with this one. But without further ado, um, our guest tonight is uh, a gentleman who spent almost 40 years in the coaching world. Um, he was instrumental in a lot of things at UW Lacrosse and the University of Minnesota. We'll let him get into that for a little bit. Um, he, his name is, uh, is the wise and wonderful Gary Wilson. Um, he's relaxed and enjoying joining us after a quick five minute, uh, five minute probably bratwurst dinner. Who knows what it was up there? Coach, how you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks good. for having. Me. It's great to have you here. And you know, just going through a little bit before we ask you to jump into stuff. You know, I know you retired back in 2013, but you really never retired. You've been still. I think you took a year or two off. You're working on the boats and the motorcycles. But I mean, looking at the background, it's an unbelievable background which you accomplished from I think it was 97 excuse me I wish it was 97 from 1977 to 1985 um, you were at UW lacrosse you know right down the road from my wonderful hometown four-time national champs there what do you win three straight outdoor national titles am I correct yep that's correct yep. 21 WEAC titles which is you know incredible just in general but that's that's a standard that you helped set for for UW lacrosse and then um, I know in 97, in, in 97, you were inducted into what, UW Lacrosse Hall of Fame? Am I correct on this? Uh, I, I think it was 97. I, I can't remember. I, I can't remember <laughs> yesterday. <so. laughs> the, well, you go 97 for the UW Lacrosse Hall of Fame. The Drake Relays was in 1997 and well into that Hall of Fame. Um, I believe you, you made the USTF CCCA Hall of Fame. Am I correct on this? Yep. Blind squirrels, man. They find man. acorns once in a while. So they find a nut every once in a while. That's amazing. Yeah. You know? I find a lot of nuts. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, uh, I got it before I get on the Minnesota side of it. I actually feel pretty lucky because we were we were very excited to have uh, Hall of Famer Vinland Anna on last week. So we got two Hall of Famers back to back. Um, that's that's a pretty special thing right there. But in '85, you go over to '85 or '86, you go over to Minnesota. Then you spend with the next almost 30 years with 27, 28 years in Minnesota. Yeah. Yep. Not counting the GRIAC, four more years after that with the GRIAC. So okay. I, yep. I stayed with that till I got pissed off at people. So <laughs> I can understand that too. We're going to get into that in a second. But I mean, the you, what you've done with the Minnesota program, what 15 or 16 national championship appearances in a row. The I mean, the top five finishes of the Big Ten meet were incredible. It's 23 or 25, if I'm right correctly. In 2007, the Big Ten title in cross country and the you know, NCAA Midwest title. I'm probably missing a couple titles in there. I'm probably missing some runners up. I completely apologize for that, but it's incredible. It's what you've done is unbelievable. Well, as we all know, without, without talented kids, you, you're, we're all screwed. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I just try to drive the bus and get the people to the meets and, <laughs> and chastise them to the point where they go, Oh my God, I got to run faster. I'm going to die. So yeah, that's usually the conversation. <laughs> I can understand that. So just drive the bus, get in the line and say, Hey, you guys are talented. Go run fast. Go, fly, yep. get, go throw fire. Just do something right. Let's do something right. Don't screw this up. You don't want me to look bad. 
heard stories about that one, but I'm not going to get into that part of it. Yeah. So how does uh? So I got to ask, because you're from you're from New York, am I correct on this? Yeah. Yep. Yep. New York went to Cortland State. Went to Cortland State. Yep. Sixty four to sixty eight. Okay. Then what did you go? Then what's the what's the how did you go from Cortland State to lacrosse and in between? Well, I went to uh, I, I coached for six years at uh, Hannibal, New York, which is a town of six hundred, about thirty miles north of Syracuse. Um, and then um, I got a divorce, um, quit my job, uh, tried to avoid being killed by my parents at the time um, because they were really ticked at me. Uh, I hitchhiked from New York to Florida, Florida to LA, flew to Hawaii, lived in Hawaii, waited tables, worked at a rental car place, then, then came back to LA, hitchhiked back across the country, um, got a one semester job at Westchester State in Pennsylvania for a guy that was getting his doctorate. Then, then I went for an interview um, to, to sell some kind of exercise equipment. I don't even remember what the hell it was. And I, I ran into a guy there that went to college with me. He says, hey, you know, there's a, there's a job in lacrosse. I said, lacrosse? Well, that, I said, I'm a track coach, not a lacrosse coach. What the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> and he says, no, stupid. Lacrosse, Wisconsin. I said, oh, where's that? He says, well, it's in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> And so that was a one semester job that turned into a and to coach track and te teaching the teaching uh, student teaching program and uh, did that for a year. Then it turned into a two year job. Um, I met my wife during that. My second wife, Susie, my my first year there, we got we, we, were, we met in February, engaged in April and married in August. And, and it hasn't worked real well. It's only like 44 years. So. Uh, it's terrible for her. I know it's been, well, it's, it's been a struggle, you know, for her, obviously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so then, then I was at, at lacrosse for, well, they, they told me in, in what the hell year was it? 77, you can stay and teach, but you can't coach men's track. Cause the, cause Buck Jones is going to come back and coach. And so yeah, yeah. you can stay and you can coach either the cross women's cross country or track. <laughs> I laughed in their face. I said, I'm not coaching women. Are you nuts? So, mm -hmm. so I, but I started and loved it. Coached cross country. Um, then eventually went back to men's track and stayed with cross country. And then eventually did both programs. Uh, I was a director for, for a couple of years with 250 athletes and uh, men and women. And um, Phil Aston was the men's distance coach and I was the women's. And um, so then we got to, we got to 85 after some successful years and, and they, they hired me at, uh, at Minnesota. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was crazy. Yeah. But anyway, so then I'm here, but I was telling somebody the other day, I've coached for 50 years almost and I've never been fired. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Yeah, no, that's impressive. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'd be the first to tell you that. You haven't, you haven't been fired, but you've been divorced once. So, I mean, it's... Well, yeah, but, yeah, well... You never know. Yeah. She, did, she fired me, but, you know, it was whatever. <laughs> I swear, yeah. after hearing this story from going all over the place to... 
was it, I got to ask the question, was it jobs or people or just opportunities that you went from, I mean, Florida, California, to Hawaii, back across, hitchhiked, you know, pretty much did everything else? Like, why, why do you go for, all across the country like that? Well, it, it was just a, it was a time in my life where I went, well, if I don't do it now, I, I was off, offered the Oneana State job, which is a, 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 a college in, in uh, New York. Yeah. Um, and the guy, AD, called me and said, I'm offering you the job. And I called him back a couple of days later and I said, I'm not taking it. He said, what's the matter with you? I said, well, I'm not taking it. He said, why? I said, I'm going to go hitchhiking. He said, well, you can always, you can always hitchhike, but you can't always take the job. I said, no, you got that backwards. So I didn't take it. Again, my parents are pissed at me. <laughs> They're like, we're going to kill you. And by the way, I had no money. I mean, I had no money painting houses or anyway. So anyway, so I, that, that turned, it turned it into great. And then all of a sudden that just everything, you know how it is. All of a sudden something will happen and yep. you know something you know like like that oh, I, I made a decision then that, that that's why i'm here it's not not anything else other than just dumb luck you know you're just in the right place the right time and so yeah so it was it was uh yeah it's been an interesting journey but you know a great one i mean i wouldn't change anything yeah. I, think, I think the perfect thing when, when you start talking about that and as long as i've known you i think especially knowing that background i got to think like the Dosakis commercials are the most interesting man in the world may come up and have something to do with that exact thing and be like, you, maybe they just went ahead and took what you've done and the hitchhiking said, the most <laughs> man in the world right there. Absolutely. Well, I've got some hitchhiking stories, but we haven't got time for them here. Rest that might me. be another podcast right there. Oh, that's, that's about 17, 17 podcasts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so I live. You, well, you're, you're talking now, so you definitely did live and you lived in general in the other sense of the way too. Um, but you talked, you hit a point there in something that we all, we all deal with, whether we're in the Big Ten or we're out in the WAC or we're down in, you know, the A-10 and stuff, the roster management, you know, 250 athletes at lacrosse. Of course, between two genders. It wasn't one gender. It was two genders right. there for sure. Yeah. Um, you go to Minnesota, and I think a lot of people know when they think of Minnesota and the distances. I mean, I think, you know, I, I have a full respect being the Iowa grad I am. My, I've said this before in the podcast, my favorite battles were not with Iowa State. They were with Minnesota because they're incredible. And we loved them. Scott and I have talked about this at length, too, that we always enjoyed those battles every single time we went to face Minnesota. It could have been duels every weekend. We would have loved it. Exactly. Thought of the Minnesota women's distance team because you had built an effing army. I mean, it was 55, 60 girls, and everybody kept looking around and be like, do you just – where where do these go? Because at the GREAC – that's your top kids, and then you've got another six boxes just to yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like you're taking up a third of the starting line. So, when you, so I think this fits in really well. But when you started at when you started at Minnesota, how many how many women did you have on the team? And, and what was the reasoning? Okay, two parts here. What was the reasoning to jump it from what it was to what it became? I know the numbers have gone down a little bit right now. But it's gone from, you know, what it was, which I don't know what it was, up to the 50 to 60 range. And then, of course, they've brought it back a little bit, which makes sense. But it's still, what, 35, 38 girls? Uh, thir- I, think, I think Sarah's got 34 right now, 35, okay. something like that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's double what I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. How did what, how well, did well, Well, when I came, there were, um, I think we had about 12 kids on the team. Um, because Mike, Mike Lawless, who's a great guy, 
had not really recruited his last couple of years. And um, so when he retired from coaching and went to work for FedEx, um, you know, the cupboard was pretty bare. Okay. And so I just, and I'd always had, you know, this, well, maybe you don't know it. I used to always have big teams at lacrosse. I mean, we'd take, we'd take two buses places. So, you know, hell, not being very bright, I didn't know any better. So I just went, oh, okay, let's get some more people. Uh, because we were, I mean, we were bad. We went to the Big Ten meet my first year. Mm-hmm. There was only 10 teams. We finished, we finished ninth. I thought we were 11th. I went, oh, crap. <laughs> I said, this is not, this is not good. Why the hell did I ever leave lacrosse? And so, um, but the next year we recruited, we got about, we probably had 10 or 12 freshmen. Mm -hmm. And then we, we got, we were a really pretty good eighth, which is, you know, sounds stupid, but uh, we were much better. And then the third year we finished third and Eileen Donahue won the big 10 individual title, beat Susie Faber and, you know, all the, all the studs from Wisconsin and she was a walk-on. She wasn't even a walk-on. She was a walk-in. Walked <laughs> in my office. Wow. I ran. I said, who are you? I'm Eileen Donahue. How fast did you run in high school? 519. I'm going, oh, my God. I said, I've got to start drinking earlier in the day. <laughs> so, I, I want to run. I, I'm a sophomore. I've been running 50 miles a week. I went, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. So, anyway, two years later, she wins the Big Ten, Big Ten title and was a, an All-American and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, so, so those kinds of stories. And then, then we just kind of always had, I don't know, we had 27 to 30 kids for, you know, for the most of the time. And then we got to, we, we might've gotten close to 40 at one point. And then in 2004, Joel Maturi, my boss, who was the greatest guy, greatest guy I ever worked for in my life um came to our department meeting he says you know we we got we got gender equity problems I said okay so I'm listening to him and he says we've got 49 percent uh uh female or 49 percent males and 51 percent males or uh males in the on the in the uh, uh school and so we're upside down so we've got to have more females I said well I don't know. So I, so I'm thinking to myself, how can I work this to my advantage? So after the meeting, I went up to him and I said, how many more people do you need? He says, well, I, and I, at that time I had about 25 kids on the team. He says, well, I need 30. And I said, okay. He said, what do you mean? Okay. He says, I I can give you 30 kids. He says, how are you going to do that? I said, I'm going to recruit more and I'm going to let kids that are 519 milers on the team. And so I did. And so we went from, 27 or 28 up to 50, 52 or something, 53. And um, it solved his problem. But I told him, I said, I got news for you. I do not have a cross country budget. I said, no. everybody gets shoes. Everybody goes to training camp. Everybody gets uniforms. Every, every kid gets to run. Our, our last kid ran more meets than our best kids. I said, we're going to go to Hamlin. We're going to go to St. Thomas. We're going to go to Gustavus. Um, we're going to go to lacrosse and run. And, and a lot of those kids, as you know, developed and came up through the program. And, and um, you know, some became All-Americans. Gabe, Gabe Grunewald uh, was a, um, you know, was a national runner-up. And she was, a, mm-hmm. she was a walk-on on our team. So, you know, it was, from a, it was kind of a selfish standpoint, too. But, you know, and, and he said, well, how are you going to manage that many women? I said, real easy. I tell them, day one. 
your job, kid, is to keep me happy. And if I'm not happy, you're gone and I'm still here. So you figure it out. And they go, oh, okay, coach, we're not messing with you. Okay, good. Now we're understanding each other. And it was great. I mean, we, it was, it was really, I mean, it was fun. They, they took care of themselves. Obviously I did too. And Sarah and my assistants, mm-hmm. but it was, um, it was good. They, they learned, we, we taught the heck out of them their, their freshman year. I said, you're going to become um, as good a coach as I am after a year. Which, which they some of them said, well, that won't be hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they were. They they learned the system. They just they found out how to figure out their mileage so that they weren't overdoing. They would check in. Uh, we'd have individual meetings, and it, it worked slick. And and they didn't. Um, and we had a we had a rule: you cannot arrive at my office without having two solutions to the problem that you think you have. So don't walk in here and go, hey, you know what? I, my, my professor's an idiot. I said, what's that got to do with me? Go back yeah. out there, figure out how the hell to do it, sit in the front row, keep your mouth shut, and ask some questions for the guy, and he'll be impressed with you, even if you hate math. So they went, oh, okay. So they would always do that, and it was amazing. I cut down the traffic by about, you know, 25 kids a day. You know, it was great. You know, so, yeah, it was good. It was fun. Cut, you cut anything in half, and that makes life so much easier, right? Now, exactly. Just, exactly. Driving home because of COVID, man. My my drive time getting home is really. <laughs> maybe there is. I would, I would, I would say, know? except except an eight hundred, <laughs> except an eight hundred from a mile. I, I don't know if that gets much easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there is some truth in that. <laughs> you got to bring the track side of it into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. So you get the numbers up. You get going. You retire. You go to Griac, and then I think, as we all know, and something that has hit all of us in the gut, if not below the belt, um, I still cringe to even say this, you know, the University of Minnesota cuts the men's track and field into our outdoor program. Yep. I've, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest, I've, I actually, I mean, still it hits us, Scott and I talked a little bit, and just for like, you've got to, we all talked for a little bit, that you've got to be kidding me, and it blew us out of the water. Um, so I want to get your take on it because I've been on the other side of the coin where I was very fortunate when uh, Mike Cross who's now at Penn State and Garrett Craig Dahlquist at uh, you know at Bradley were very, yep. very came through at the came through and said we will allow you to bring men's track and field back indoor first it was outdoors then it was indoors and I was blown away that a program would actually do that and that doesn't happen even in today well especially today's world that doesn't happen right <laughs> what was can you walk us through what the initial reaction was to when that happened I mean did you Start drinking at ten o'clock. What what was the deal? I I've been drinking since about six. So. <laughs> <laughs> it it just became. It was like it was. You know, it was one of those reactions. What in the hell are you doing, you guys? And um, and so since then I've come. Well, I've got a, I've got a whole spreadsheet of stats that I procured from. Uh, well, I won't tell you where I procured it from. It's okay. But, well, you know this. All you guys know this. It's mismanagement of the budgets. Mm-hmm. It's feeding the monsters of football, basketball. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we haven't got we haven't got the money. Blah blah. I said bullshit. I said I I can I can find five million dollars in about twelve minutes if you if you let me go through the budgets of football and basketball. I said, come on. Yeah. And so so that, what they what they so anyway to answer the question. 
we were shocked. It was like unbelievable. And, and obviously the problem, and you guys all know this, that if somebody hasn't been in your culture for a long time, you know, and like we have for 35 years here, um, they don't know the history. All they know is X's and O's and, and, and spreadsheets and bottom lines, budgets and whatever. And so, and, and of course we, not we, but the administration before Mark Coyle came, they built a $190 million athletic village, which is beautiful, yeah. but who the hell is going to pay for it? So they, they've fundraised about 130 million of it, but their debt service is millions. And so, so that they're behind the eight ball on that. They thought they were going to get all this um, money from scholarship seating at football, basketball, and, you know, and, and uh, hockey. Well, that, They've got it, but they haven't got enough anywhere near enough to pay the, the debt service. Um, then COVID hits, and guess who gets thrown under the bus? The, the Title IX. Oh, that's Title IX problems. I said, no, you got freaking priority problems. You have not got, and you got mismanagement problems, which really isn't the fault of this administration, but on the backs of these kids that they're taking track and field away, tennis and some gymnastics. I said, you're, you're, you're taking opportunities away from 13 African-American kids on the track team, from 24 Minnesota kids out of 48 on the men's track team, from a tennis group that paid for a huge gob of their new facility years ago, like 1.7 million of it, um, and, and, and gymnastics here, <laughs> and I said this on the radio the other day, and it's guys, it's almost true. Their tennis facility or their gymnastics facility was built like a year after Christ was born. I mean, that's how bad it is. I mean, it's like a freaking, I mean, it's like, you would, you don't yeah. go, in, go in there, you may not come back out. I mean, so <laughs> it's like, oh my freaking God. And so we've all left, and you know this from being at Iowa, you, you have stuff, but you don't have enough stuff and you're, you know, and so I, I talked to my, I sent a thing to my boss, their boss, not mine anymore, and the board of regents. I said, we've lost our way. You guys are crazy. I said, you, you, you're feeding, you're feeding the monsters, on the backs of women and Olympic sport men. And I said, if you don't get your shit together, we're we're all gonna die. Now you're not gonna die. You will in the court of public opinion, but you're sure to hell not gonna die. You know, because you're going to cut down to the point where you've got six men's sports and eight women's sports or whatever the limit is, and it'll be over. And uh, so, so, so here's the caveat. Yep. So I got this spreadsheet, right? Yep. You know the Southeast Conference, right? Yep. Southeast Conference. I have 16, 17 sports per conference. In fact, I got spreadsheet right here right here let me let me grab this thing wow. <laughs> and, and i'll show this to you i won't show it to you but i'll so you have to show enlighten us i it will let you so the average the ncaa averages for for men's teams um for the sports that we have at minnesota are 350 men okay, okay. the ncaa average for women is 290 so instead of having 34 cross-country kids, 
Next year, they want to cut it to 20. So you go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you doing? So I look on the thing and I look at the Southeast Conference. I, I looked at Michigan. Mike McGuire and I used to do the same thing. He'd have 35, 45 kids. He's got 20 now. So these guys have all, and I'm talking a little out of church here, but you know, when we go to a track convention, we all talk track and we all know each other and we all bitch about the same things. Athletic directors do the same exact thing. So they get together and go, hey, guess what? We can get more money by having less athletes and we can have less teams. And then we've met gender equity numbers and we can feed football and basketball again. Okay, well, that's great, except with this plan that they've got for proposals for 21-22, they're going to cut, let me see, I'll get the, they want to cut 117 men, and they want to cut, cut from the University of Minnesota who fought like hell for women's rights and women's opportunities. They want to cut 75 women. I said, so you're telling me that for the teams that we have right now, you want to cut 75 women that are already here, uh-huh. those rosters down. Is that, how you're doing? is that how you're getting gender equity? You know what? I got news for you. There's going to be hell to pay. And so we're just, we're just about one newspaper article away, which will come out, I think, tomorrow or the next day, that will expose all of this. And it's just, it's, it's bullshit. It's, it's the Southeast Conference model. They all want to do it this way. Because, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're the power five. Well, you know what? You're also idiots when it comes to, you know, like I was saying to somebody <laughs> today, I said, if I was bitching about this in Alabama, they'd uh-huh. find me in a ditch someplace. hundred <laughs> yeah, percent would. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> they just, they'd just kill me and go, no, we don't give a shit about your track team. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's football, man. It's football. You know, Coach, I got a question for you. I, yeah, I, I'm wondering um, when did you, when do you think that like we kind of lost our way um, in athletics? Like, you know, I, I just I feel like we've gotten so far off the message as far as uh, you know developing young people and creating opportunities and that, it yep. being part of the educational experience. Yeah. When did you see that turn? Fifteen years ago, the minute we had NCA or NCA basketball money big and the big 10 networks and the Southeast conference networks. And when the money became so, I mean, it was, we get $50 million now from the big 10 network. I mean, we we're not going to this year, but you got $50 million. That's why we're playing football. <laughs> so they can get at least 30 million. And so the minute you had the money, cause these guys, it's, it, some of it's mismanagement because we've got to, you know, it's, it's like, I was talking to somebody the other day, Oh, I know. It's Todd Lane at LSU. They had a $2.4 million salary guy. I don't know if he's the offensive defensive coordinator, okay? He leaves. They hire a guy who was making $600,000. They pay him $2.4 million. You go, well, well wait a minute. What the? He would have probably come for a million, and his wife would have been like, wow, this is awesome. But no, they paid $2.4 million because they have it they have the money so they're just going to spend if you and i spent our household in budgets like this we'd mm-hmm. be well we'd be killed my, my wife would kill me for sure and you know but but these guys just spend 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 they don't have they never have a reserve they never well they don't and so when when a COVID hits 
They're going, oh, I don't know what happened, man. Well, I know what happened. You mismanaged. You know, you no rainy day fund, overspent. Just PJ, PJ Fleck, our football coach, just he just signed, and I don't know, it hasn't been approved yet, but he just signed a four point nine million dollar uh uh salary. And so yep. you go, well, that, that's fine. And then he's got bonuses for if we tie for the for the conference title uh, in the in the West, we get a hundred thousand dollars. You know the whole dog. Well, it's crazy, and so that's when it changed. When the TV money came in, it, it changed astronomically. When Joel Matry was here with me at first, which was two thousand and two, our budget was fifty million. Seven years ago, it was eighty. No, 79 or 89 million. Now it's 139 million. Okay, what, what's wrong with this math? It's like, okay. And, and because they've got a huge debt service on the, on the um, um, athletic village of $190 million that they've only got $130 million raised. So it's, it's just, it's, like you say, it's out of control. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten on the train. Yep. They, don't have, they have no idea how to get off. And so they're just, though so they're cutting men's track or tennis or cutting women's numbers so they can feed the, feed the animal, which is, you know, well, fine. But those sports don't even make a dent, right? I mean, no, when, no. And all the, when, when you stop and do the math, you're talking, I mean, we, with men's track, gymnastics, uh, tennis, I mean, what are you, $3 million? Yeah, Maybe about, total? Total. About, it, it, you know, and, and you're talking about a $75 million deficit. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. You know, Vince said it last week. Who, who cares? I mean, we don't say it now. Like, it, it doesn't even scratch the surface. So why? You know why they did it? I, I, I mean, I don't know this for sure. But because I racked my brain, John, for about three days because I'm not the brightest guy in America, which you know. And I said, <laughs> what the hell? This is a dent. They're doing it. So they got more money to pay the damn loan back on the 75 million they're going to borrow. That's why they're doing it for no other reason. And, and, and then it's just going to continue. If nobody stops it and fights them, it's going to continue. And that's why people are so upset about this happening because they know, I mean, I've heard from, you know, mouse at Florida and, you know, you know, Georgia coaches. I mean, I'm not, on. they say, if you guys don't win, we're all screwed. We're just all screwed. You know, and, and you and St. Louis and UAB and they'll just gut us. Well, Coach, you you, uh, you mentioned two solutions before you come into the office. What, what's your thoughts on uh, how we're going to fight this? You know, because I, I think, you know, when, um, you know, when Minnesota kind of, you know, that, that news came up, that was – that was rough because no nobody's safe at that point. You know that they right. it's such a storied program, and you know it's just you know how how do we fight it? Well, and you know this, Scotty, it, it's relationships, and the the problem is, you know, when we're in the trenches, you know, track coaches, mm-hmm. we're in the trenches. We haven't got time necessarily to know people on the border regions, or you know, and I, and I know the AD here pretty well, and and he's a good guy but he's been caught up in this, this spin. And so what we're trying to do is we're, we're reaching out to the border regions. Now we're getting, we're, we're, we're the, the, the biggest thing that's going to come out 
tomorrow or the next day or the next day in the paper is going to be this cutting women's opportunities. And so they're going to end up with, they're either going to change this or they're going to have huge egg on their face. And then whether they care or not, I don't know, but I know, well, I've had 50 people already tell me they've, we're at the, our football tickets uh, our, our and I don't know if you know Josh Gerber, you, you probably don't, but he's an Iowa guy. Um, he's our, the name timer. For sure. yeah. you know, Josh, I know the name Wiz is Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he, he's our timer guy. Okay. So mm-hmm. they call him today from the U for, for, uh, to, to take an ad out in the, in the gopher hockey brochure. And he said, no, he says, when they reinstate the sports, then I'll be glad to talk to you. And the guy kept pressing him like, no, no. He said, no, no, no. Listen to me. So having been here for 30, 35 years, I know a ton of really strong women advocates, you know, people that are 45, 50, 60 years old. And, and those people are, whoo, they're tough hombres. They're, they're not gonna, they will not take this lane down. And so, um, so that, that's one way to do it. Uh, obviously we've got all the, you know, we've got all the people writing letters and whatever, but you have to get to the people making the decision. You have to get a, t- uh, you have to get a, a seat at the table. Like, like I said the other day, if, if you don't have a seat at the table, then you're on the menu. It's real, it's real simple. And so they'll just eat you alive and then you're done. So you, but we've got some advocates on the board of regents. Uh, we've got advocates in the women's community. Uh, we've got the legacy of Roy Griak. Um, one, absolutely incredible one, which is an unbelievable one. And we've yep. got, you know, and to, and to some degree, um, we've, we've got the, the, um, diversity issue of which they're, they're running around going, Oh yeah, we got to have these committees on diversity and reaching out to the community. Okay. You've got to have committees on diversity and you're cutting 13 men off the team that are people of color. What the hell's the matter with you? Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of how we're doing it, Scotty. We're trying to, and we're hitting every angle. I mean, I, I, I just got off the phone tonight with before my 10 minute, five minute dinner with the former tennis coach um, who had a meeting with Mark Coyle today. Joel Maturi's having a meeting with Mark Coyle today. Um, the newspaper thing's going to come out in the next few days. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be, we're going to win in the court of public opinion, whether we win in the court of this is going to change, you know, who the hell knows, but you know, Jerry Noyce, who's the, the former tennis coach, he's, he's been coaching for, he coached here 30 years ago and he's a big businessman now. He says, well, so he keeps telling me, okay, now Gary, listen to me, you have to play nice until, it's, <laughs> until it's not nice. I said, Oh, well, when it's not, not, I said, I will play nice kind of, but when it's not nice, I will be the first one leading the charge. Yeah, and you know, I'm not going to probably burn a building down, but you know, <laughs> that that it wouldn't that that it would not put past you at all. <laughs> what do we? So we we sit here as, you know, I think one of the things we've talked about on this podcast before is everything from changing how we do track meets because we need to make a sport that actually needs to be marketable. Yeah, yeah. Time, and before going into that a little bit. I think the one thing, I mean, it panicked us all. We saw programs get cut. We felt terrible for all programs get cut. Then all of a sudden, Iowa cut four programs at their school, and then they turn around, Minnesota does what they do. And then yeah. it really starts to hit home even more, because when the power schools start to do it, then, as we all know, 
then we really start to worry. And then we really all start to get scared. Yep. And Vin Lanana said it, and I'm curious in your thoughts on what it is. Vin said on the last podcast, he said, every track coach should walk in tomorrow morning and make sure they've got a 10-minute speech, if not an hour, on why the program should not get cut, on why their program should not get cut. doesn't matter if you're men's coach or women's coach. You should make sure that's in. I'm not asking for a 10-minute speech because we know you could give an hour on this. All right. The question more is, what do we need to be prepared for? What can we do? Is it going to talk to the, just the AD? Is it going to talk to that? Or is it something that needs to go even more grassroots and start at the convention? Because we know at the convention, we talk more about how big the boxes are supposed to be, two meters to 2.5 meters, than we do how do we protect our sport? How do we ask for a raise? How do we promote our sport better? What do we do? We are more worried about a minutia that the fact that the, you know, because we're Under Armour, the Under Armour logo is two inches wide versus 1.5, which means absolute bullshit. Right, right, right. Well, I back to the relationships. Yes. The reason that Joel and Maturi and I got along so well is the first year he was here, and we're the same age. We're the same age, same exact era, same everything. And we hit it off, you know, right away. Yep. And I, I said, hey, Joel. Lois, his wife, who we're still close with. In fact, we're having dinner with him next week. Um, why, don't you go out, why don't you come out on my boat? So like, we took him out on Lake Minnetonka, went to dinner, never talked about anything, track or anything else. But we found out we had a lot of commonalities. We each had three kids, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, we became closer. And every day, not with a speech, every – now, he was a crazy man. He was crazier than me in terms of time put in. <laughs> Which I know is hard to believe, you guys. But uh, he, 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 he would be at. He, I, you know, I get, I, I'd leave. I always came in late and left late, so I would leave about nine o'clock, eight o'clock at night, and he would always, he would still be in his office. So I just go down and, hey, how you doing? Oh, hey, Gary, what's going on? And we sit down, and I sit down and talk to him about zero. Nothing would track, and we just became friends. So then when I, when I needed something we didn't we didn't disagree on things but if i needed to talk to him about something he would always say okay let's sit down and talk and but i respected him enough that if he said no i only said i only went back to him about four times normally i'd go back about 20 you know be a real asshole but he would always say okay gary this is it we're done with the conversation okay <laughs> and I, would, I would leave you know instead of burning his office down and so we became close friends. And that's what you have to do. You have to have those relationships because if you're in a vacuum, they don't know you from Adam. It, it, well, Lane Anderson, you guys know Lane Anderson. Lane Anderson said, I could walk down the hall in Iowa and, and we might have finished eighth in the Big Ten in cross country. I could tell my boss that we won and he'd go, that's great, and keep right on walking. So they they... They, I, in fact, I think I said you, t this to you, Matt. Very few bosses come down to your office and say, hey, how can I help you? No, almost nobody. Joel Mature used to do that. But most of them, they, 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 you're just like, you're like an ant. You're like, no, you're a gnat. You keep, you're flying around their head. You're like, a, you're a bother to them. So they're swiping yeah. you away and, you know, just don't bother me and don't cause me any problems. Uh, of course, which I'm not, not very good at doing. But you have to, you, and we know this, we're not stupid. 
we understand that football, basketball, or whatever they're unto makes a huge difference to the school. Okay. We yeah. understand that. We're not trying to we're not trying to tell you not to have a great football team, but we are telling you that you've got to this is about education. It's about opportunities for kids. It's about these kids giving back. I just got, I just got, Susie and I just raised a, a third of a million dollars for our women's locker room. And, and the first, the first donation we got was a $50,000 donation from a kid that walked on my team in 1988. The second was a $25,000 donation from a woman, Eileen Donahue, who walked in my office in 85 and yeah. me 20, cause she's a, Christie's a, a doctor and a orthopedic surgeon and, and Donna Hayes, an engineer for Shell Oil. Well, you know, that's 75,000 bucks right off the top. Then parents of kids and mostly walk-on kids and small scholarship kids that their, 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 their kids had a, a, a great experience. And so we raised, again, we raised a third of a million dollars and lots of it was on the backs of relationships. And, you know, and that's what, that's what these guys that are fundraisers, a lot of them don't understand. Oh, it's about relationships. Yeah, you're trying to get a goddamn relationship with a guy who's got $40 billion. Well, great. But if the guy has $40 billion and says, screw you, I'm not giving it to you, you're out of luck. You've got to go. And this is what I told. I just told this a year ago. You know, I piss people off a lot, as you can imagine. But I told our our M Club guy and our foundation guy, uh, I said, you have to go to every single teams practice every single team their practice at least once a semester and you've got to have you've got to go to their banquet every single year and and give a card and give a you're a member now of the m club and you know we're going to ask you for five bucks your first year and then we're going to ask you for 10 the next and then 30 the next and i told this story today to, to, to a guy in the newspaper i said when i was running at Cortland State and I graduated in 68, you know, I didn't have a pot to piss in. I was making 6,000 bucks a year, but I gave him five bucks. And then I gave him 30 bucks. And then 20 years later, I gave him a hundred bucks. Well, then I was inducted into the hall of fame there. And I said to the guy, because they treated me well, and they'd been in touch with me for almost 50 years. I said, Susie and I want to give you guys 25,000 to have a name scholarship, and then we're going to leave you another twenty-five thousand in our in our um, trust. Oh, great! Well, that's that was a fifty-year deal. Mm-hmm. These guys are trying to get a fifty-minute deal. Let me walk in the office and you know your office and give give, give me five million dollars. You know, I mean the, the best story I've ever got though in fundraising. I fund Susie and I fundraised one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for the football stadium here, mm-hmm. of which we gave ten thousand. So I got, I, I went to every single coach and Tubby Smith was here at the time. Okay. And so I never met Tubby Smith. So I walk in his office. I said, uh, coach Smith. Yeah. Who are you? Said, I'm Gary Wilson. Why are you here? I'm here to ask you for money. What? I said, yeah, we're trying to raise money for the football stadium. He says, well, okay. Now, literally I, I met the guy for a minute and I'm asking him for money. He said, well, what's everybody else giving? I said, well, anywhere from five to 20,000. He said, well, how much do you want? I said, well, I'd like 25, but why don't you give, will you give me 10? Yeah, yeah, wait a minute. That's out of his checkbook, writes me a check. And he says, the only, <laughs> the only stipulation is you can't tell my wife. <laughs> God's honest truth, swear to God. 
Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. But but that that, that doesn't happen very hey, I got an idea. Wanna give me a lot of money? <laughs> Stupid. But you have to you have to do those kinds of things. You can't sit in your office. You can, but and, and say, Well, I'm I'm a coach. Well, no, you're you're a promoter of your program, you're a promoter of your kids, but you're more than more than that, you're a promoter of yourself so people somewhat like you. You know. So how would how would you go about marketing the program then? Well, I don't know if you've got to, you don't really have to market. Well, I shouldn't say that. You can market the program all you want, but yeah. you have to market, you have to market the relationship. That, that to me is everything. I mean, it's fine to have, you know, board meets and not board meets or whatever, but they have to look at you as somebody that cares about kids, cares about the university and will give back. And I told, I told somebody the other day, I said, I never made $80,000 at the University of Minnesota after, you know, 6,000 years here. Never made $80,000. Susie and I have donated $73,000 back to this university. We've fundraised about a half a million dollars. And we, don't, we, don't, we didn't make squat compared to everybody else, but they saw that I gave back. And that's one of the things that's going to help here. So, hey. I'm I'm part of the solution. I'm not you. You caused the problem. You're yep. killing our tennis and gymnastics, and yet I don't see those. I, tennis is lots of money, and gymnastics, and I don't see football doing that. There, there's givers and there's takers. We're givers, and that's what you have to be as a track coach. Of not, I'm going to make you like my sport. They may never like your sport, but they got to like you. If they like you. And you have to have the ability, I think Churchill said it once, you got to have the ability to tell somebody to go to hell and look forward to the trip. And I'm good at it. <laughs> what the hell are you guys doing? You know, I love you to death, but you're being stupid here. And so... You've told me, you've told me that a few times, I'm being stupid on something, for sure. There's no questions about it. Yeah, yeah I think I have. Yeah, no, you have. Yeah, uh, you've warned me a few times of what I've done. And I've, I went down the rabbit hole anyway, and I'm still standing. But you know, hell, it was a hell of a trip. Uh, I mean, you're right. You, I think you make a great point because you said that, you know, they have to make sure they like you because a lot of our administrators don't understand track and field. They don't understand cross country. Half of us can't even figure out how to qualify for cross country. It's another story. But like some of them in general don't understand tennis. They don't understand just the ins and out of the actual sport. So I think you make a great point that you or we, certainly not you, but we as a track coach or cross country coach, have to be able to walk in there and have a good relationship with the administration, at least with our sport administrator, would be something, and just thinking about it, because a lot of us will be told that, you know, you have a, a chain of command. You have to go to your sport administrator and leave the AD alone. Like, you have to go through that. Do you, would you be someone that suggests, like, hey, yeah, go ahead and know your sport administrator, but also go and make sure you're good there, and then go see the AD? Like, just kind of, you know what, here, I'm going to go see the AD as well. I'd always go to see the AD. I mean, who, who the hell are you? You're, you're, you make more money. I always have this theory. Anybody who makes 10 times more money than I do should take at least 10 times more shit than I do. So I'm going, <laughs> what True. the hell? But, but, but I want to know, I mean, I know lots of people in this community that, I mean, they got stupid money, but they like me because, I don't know why they like me. Well, they like me because they know that I care about kids and I care about women and, and women's sports and whatever. And so, I mean, I, 
I've got a woman that 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 gave me fifty thousand bucks. Who's a who's a hockey fan? She's not even a track fan, but she likes me. Again, not the brightest woman in America, but anyway. So so those are the kinds of things that you can have all and 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 one of the things that we used to do, and I think probably you guys do it too to some degree, but we we would ask our people to travel with us. We'd say, hey, why don't you come on a trip with us um, and and see what we do about driving a van all across South Dakota in the middle of the night. And, you know, Joe Maturi, who I love to death, we won our first Big Ten outdoor title at Michigan State in 2006. He came and stood in the rain for three days. The Michigan State AD wasn't even there. And we won the title. He stood there for, I said, Joel, get a goddamn raincoat on. No, I was in the car. I said, I'll walk to the damn car. I said, you're going <laughs> to die out here. <laughs> and, but those, but saw, he knew what we dealt with. He knew that we were driving across, you know, how many times have you guys, and I know you are, driving, yeah. you know, till three o'clock in the morning, kids in a van, you know, after yep. days that attract me. It's like, whew, yeah, no, these guys have no idea. No idea. Well, I think, I think, Gary, it's really pretty easy. You know, one of the things that I've always tried to do, and I, I try and tell the new coaches in our department, uh, just walk the hallways. You know, just yep. just be seen. Just go, yep. go, go get a cup of coffee and talk to everybody down the hallway. And yep, exactly. you, you, you do that for, you know, a long enough period of time. And right. people become friendly. They get to know you as a person. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm not even going to try and explain the DMR to half the people in our department because they're not going to they're not going to have any understanding. But they know me, and and, and and they like me. And if I need something, it's it's a lot you know it's a lot harder to say no to to, to John Bell the person. Right. So exactly. I, I think that's just just a piece of advice for every young coach. Yep. And anybody who's just getting into it, just walk the hallways. That's the easiest piece. Easiest that thing is, to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, and I've said this the last couple episodes, is because of the structure of our sport being busy with cross country and indoor and outdoor, it's so easy for uh, for track coaches to bury their head and, yes, and not not ever look up. And, yeah. and I can't. I don't fault coaches for that. You know, we we're. I think collectively sometimes I'm being nice, but idiots for, for being in season for the entire academic year. Right, um, whereas you see some of these, the other coaches that have a semester off yeah. to, to do some of the, to do some of these other things. Yeah. It's a huge, huge advantage to those other sports. Absolutely. You have to be a fighter for, for the other sports too. Um, one of my buddies just put it on Facebook when I told him I wasn't getting my basketball tickets. He says, I remember, he was a SID, a sports information guy. He says, I remember a talk, a, a, a passionate speech that you made to our entire department to raise funds to finish off the women's hockey tennis facility. He says, I'll never forget that because the coaches knew that you cared about other sports. I mean, like, I said, I, we raised money for football, we raised money for tennis, we raised money for uh, the women's locker room when we were long retired. Um, you know, we, we've given money for, we, we've got an endowed scholarship here. 
I mean, people know that we're that we're we're willing to give back and not and we're not asking for anything. We're not asking other than you treat our sports right. And so so now after 35 years, I've got credibility. Well, some some anyway. With with people that go, hey, this guy is given, given, given. Tennis is given, given, given. Gymnastics is given. Um, so so I'll I may not like what he's trying to do, like he's trying to, you know, throw me under the bus, but I I have to respect the fact that he's not just blowing smoke here. So I think at the end of the day, that's hopefully that's going to help, and that's hopefully how this is going to get saved. But I don't know. We, I might have to play hardball. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So Gary, what, what's your, what's your forecast? What's your, how, how do you see this thing playing out? Um, college track and field, uh, you know, power five schools, smaller schools. How do you see this thing playing out? Do we have a split? Well, we, we, we might, we might have a, you know, there's a, there's a, not a movement, but there's a lot of people talking. Let's we're, you know, Power five just needs to split off and we'll be our own national meet. Well, stop. I got news for you. I don't care if you're at Arkansas, Florida, you know, UAB, St. Louis, we're all the same. You know, we might, you know, we might have bigger budgets and whatever, but we're all fighting for the same thing. And, and if you, if you, cause there's been pretty good talk as you, you probably guys probably know about, well, the power five just needs to split off. You do not want to split off with the power five because they will, you will be, you think you got problems now, they will eat you alive. They'll just spit you out because there won't be any rules. They'll just go, oh, there's no NCAA rules that say you got to have track or basketball or uh, tennis or anything else. And so they'll just go, screw you. They'll just, they'll meat grind you. You'll be in a meat grinder and then you'll be left by the curb. And it doesn't have to be that way, but I'm afraid. Jerry Noyce, our former tennis coach, met with the AD today, and he told him exactly that. He said, "Listen, you guys are you're, you're killing us here. You're 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 in the meat grinder of Division One. Keep up with the Joneses, the arms race. You just are. So you got to figure out how to hell to tell PJ Fleck, who's a great coach and done a great job. But you know what? You don't need five goddamn weight training guys in the weight room." I mean, come on. I can do it in the toilet room myself. Get in there and lift the goddamn thing. How hard is that? <laughs> you, know? Yeah, you know, I can do it with two guys, you know? Yep. So, so, but you know what they say? They've got, you know, they say they've got quality control people. They've got, you know, I mean, Jerry, Jerry Kill, who I love to death. He's a great guy. He used to, he was making a million dollars here at football. He used to come into Joel's office and drive him nuts. He, he'd go, we've got to have this and that. And Joel went, no, stop. I've listened to your bullshit for about two months now. I'll give you this and this, but I'm not giving you this or this and this. Well, I'm going to go to the president. Okay, go to the president, but don't bother me anymore. He finally went to the president. The president finally threw him out of the office, you know? <laughs> so you go, oh, my freaking God. You know, it's just, yeah. it's. And, and you know what? But we're all, us, all of us that are, we're into Power Five, we've created this problem too. We never had a director of ops for years. And the whole time I was at Minnesota, we didn't get one until three or four years ago. Um, we didn't, we didn't have Lynn Anderson did our travel and Jesse Rosen, who was, you know, did it for free for me. And I mean, 
all those kinds of things. We just didn't have that stuff, but now we've got it because everybody else has got it. We can't survive without it. And, um, you know, so it's just, it's just one of those things where we've got to have better uniforms. We've got to have, you know, training tables fine, but we don't need, you know, we don't need steak and lobster every goddamn night. Or I, what, what the Illinois coach, I guess the other day told Sarah that our, if, if we don't have sushi night at Illinois, the kids are pissed. <laughs> hey, really? You're pissed? You know what? Go to, go down to the corner and eat at McDonald's and see how that goes. You know, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're worrying about just making sure that we can put bananas and apples on a table with a green tablecloth, like um, and some chocolate milk in the cupboard. Like, that's the biggest thing. There's a huge discrepancy. Sushi night, shit. I wish you know. we could unite as a department. That would be, that'd be actually kind it, of It changed in Illinois then because we were on the opposite end of that spectrum for the five years I was there. I can tell you that much. <laughs> there were no sushi nights. And, exactly. And, exactly. But see, student athlete welfare. Is yep. what it's you know. It's like I always tell our kids, "What the hell, What happened to old white guys' welfare? What about me? I don't give a crap about your freaking sushi. I care about me getting a better salary." Mm-hmm. <laughs> they go, "Oh, coach, you don't understand." I said, "I understand really well. I'm telling you, you appreciate everything you got, or you're going to be gone. You understand me?" But now, you know, you got eight lawyers and their mommy and daddy are coming in, and you know, it's it's just, it's just crazy. It's crazy. These kids are. They're, they're, they're entitled. No, it's not the way it works. You're going to... Uh, huh? oh, go ahead. You, I was going to say, you know, you start talking about, you know, at some point having to play a little bit of hardball with, yep. with this situation yep. and, and, and maybe having to not play nicely. Um, you know, a question that I've been pondering the last couple of weeks, you know, and from the sounds of it, you know, we'll wait for this article to come out, but it sounds like there's some some other things that with the reduction of some women's opportunities, you know, you start to monkey around with title nine a little bit, because that's in my opinion, without obviously not knowing all the facts, but it sounds like that's not, not in good faith of what title nine was intended to do. Exactly. At what, at what point do you step outside the university system and go around the AD, go around the school president and start having dialogue with your elected officials? about these type of issues because it, well, it, it's yeah. a lot of money involved from a federal government standpoint there's a lot i mean these are you know obviously st louis is a private institution but this impacts a lot of public institutions right at some point there's got to be some some accountability to these presidents and these athletic directors well i think what's going on um it, it, well, some of this is going to occur tomorrow or the next day or the next day with the, with the article because you're going to you're going to see um, you're going to see us stepping out and what you already have, but you're going to see um, I'm, I'm dumping my water here, um, but you're you're going to see I will get five phone calls in the next three days from people pissed off that was that was in the paper, and I'll say well. You gave you gave our coaches about ten minutes of warning that you're going to cut their program. So I'm giving you the warning in the newspaper. So let's go. Let's let's play. Because because I told the paper the other day, and you got to you got to you, you guys can't do it because you're you've got to have a job. You I can like a job. Yep. Yeah, you got to have a job. So I I just I said I told the newspaper lady the other day. I said I've been here thirty five years around here thirty five years. I know where there's about thirty bodies buried. 
and you do not want this to come out in the newspaper. So I'm just telling you, we can play this game this way, or I'm going to bury some people. And so you, you know, the best thing about negotiating is when you don't care if you win or lose. <laughs> and if you got nothing to lose, you're, you're screwed. And so you got to be, you got to be, well, somebody said, well, you wouldn't do this if you were not retired. I said, oh, yeah, I probably would. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, so I, I just think, I think you're right. Was it John that was asking me the question? Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I think, I think, John, you're, you're right. You do. But again, it's, it's relationships and you can't jump too far ahead above your boss. For example, our former women's basketball coach was making, this is years ago, was making $40,000. The volleyball coach is making 42000 They come, I hear through the grapevine, they, they're going to go to the state legislator, okay? <laughs> this is when Chris Voles was here, who was a crazy person, okay? <laughs> Our boss, okay? I, I finally got her fired, but that's another whole body's buried yeah, story. We won't, yep. Yeah. You know, we don't need to go there. But, so I said, they can't, I said, are you guys, you went to the state legislator? Yeah, and we're going to get our salaries raised. And so I said, stop. I said, when you're in a war, if you go out of the foxhole and go after people straight on, you're going to get shot in the head and you're going to be dead. Within three months, they were both fired <laughs> because they went to the legislature who put it in the newspaper, who went after Chris Foles. The legislature was somewhat of a friend of Chris Foles. Done gone she's now she went to mcallister and i don't know where the hell linda hill mcdonald is it's like what the hell i told you not to do that oh no it'll be no stupid no if you're gonna get somebody get them from behind <laughs> if they see you coming you're dead <laughs> yeah it's not good no it's not good yeah it's not but as you said it's one of the big things we talk about and one of the big things we forget about um, because I think John said it, we kind of bury our heads in the sand a little bit with having year round where we're dumbasses for not allowing ourselves to have an actual true dead period, you know, a month dead period, two week dead period, but no, there's a NCAA right. championship. Then all of a sudden then there's a new balance championship and the Brooks championship. And then there's the, you know, the U S juniors and go from the U S yep. to what kind of the Caribbean, if you want to, like you can yep. recruit 365 days a year. Well, absolutely you know all the, and not stop with it i think the only sport that does that to ourselves we don't help give ourselves any sort of credit so you're right if we're going to do anything especially i think now during this covid time go talk to your administration even more get to know them more get to find out what's going on i mean i know one thing i'm we're frustrated as all get up right now because you know we we don't have much we have zero i'm not even afraid to say this we have zero direction from conference usa and what we're doing our right crazy you're not crazy our administration is completely baffled on what they're doing how they're doing stuff and everybody's upset with everybody but we would just love a little more direction but at least if you can have a relationship with your administration they'll help and they'll yeah. help and give you what you can do with that kind of stuff well and they and they want everybody wants to feel good about what other people think of them i.e track i don't know who what it is Every boss wants you to like them and yeah. to appreciate what they're doing. And I used to do that with, with, when I went to see Joel at 10 o'clock at night, I walk in, I say, you know what? 
I know it's been a tough week for you because of this and that. And you got, I said, you know what? You know, I said, let's, let's go out and have a cup of coffee tomorrow or let's have a beer or whatever. And, and he, he would usually say, oh, I just got to work. I said, you're nuts. I said, it's 10 o'clock at night. Come <laughs> with me. Let's go get a beer. And so, he, and he would. But at the end of the day, we all, and, and the COVID thing has helped. We, it's forced us all to slow down. Yes. You know, okay. Have, actually have dinner with kids, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I think that, but but we'll go back. You know, we're, we're Americans. We're crazy. We're like, you know, <laughs> we didn't go from, uh, we didn't go from Ohio to Nebraska on a buckboard because we were weak. We're freaking tough, you know, not smart, but tough. <laughs> You know, and so that's where you've got to, but you have to take the, and, and we've all said this, you have to take the time to know people on a personal level, because if you don't, you, you they're, they're just, you're no different than the TV that I'm looking at. They go, I don't know. What the hell do I care? Go, go, go. And I'm going to get rid of this TV and they'll do that same with you. But if, if it's harder to do when there's a relationship and, and this would not be happening here at Minnesota if Roy Griak wasn't alive or if he was still alive, if he was alive, he, he, this wouldn't have happened because there's huge history there. And these people who are, they're nice people and they're smart people, but they have no idea. They have no idea what's going on. They just, they just don't. And uh, if you don't have a history of somebody, it doesn't mean anything. And it's easy. It's easy to cut somebody's legs off like these sports. If you don't have any, connection with them emotionally it's just really simple and so you know be no different than you know anything it would be no different than you know walking out the door and you look at the neighbor walking down the street who are you you know well well i I can be an asshole to that person if they are like that to me but if i if i help them you know like our neighbor over here is blind as a bat and i helped him clean up his whole yard and his (laughs) caregiver went what are you doing i said i'm cleaning up the yard he said well john's never gonna see it i said or joe's never gonna see it i said i know but you're gonna see it and it's gonna help you out oh oh okay (laughs) so if i need something i walk over and get a cup of sugar or a beer from her because she's you know because i cleaned her damn yard up you know so it's you have to give back to people no matter what level they're at without any expectation of getting something back and if you if you do that, it's hard for people to, to cut you off. And and if I was still there as a full time employee, this wouldn't have happened either. But now they're just they're bullying. They're just going, oh yeah, who are you? Who are you? Well, they're 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 going to find out who who I am. <laughs> well, it goes back to you know I think that's a perfect part right there, a perfect saying right there. And it goes back to the old adjective, you know, treat people how you'd want to be treated. You know, it doesn't matter if somebody's going to see it or not. What are you doing when, you know, I think we all see the wonderful and our kids have seen it. We've seen it as athletes as all because we've all been Division One athletes on this podcast that the fact of like, you know, it's what you do when nobody's looking that really matters. Right. Do what you're going to be doing with when, what, when, excuse me, do what you're doing when nobody is watching. So you can build that rapport up. You can build that relationship up. Spend time with the booster people. Spend time with your ADs your sport administrators, the IMG marketing people, we have IMG at UAB, you know, whatever your marketing people is to help you out. That's our sponsor, but you know, the marketing people yep. help them out. Yep. Yep. I think you also gotta, you gotta help them out at a, at a personal level. 
Like mm-hmm. I remember one of our secretaries who made like $12 an hour at the time, this is years ago. She had no money, zero money. And yeah. I haven't seen my mom in a year and I haven't got the $200 to, to go down and see her in North Carolina. And I said, well, I said, Susan, I'll buy you a ticket. What? What do you mean you'll buy us a ticket? I'll buy you a ticket. You want to see your mom, right? Yeah. Okay. I bu- we bought her a ticket. <laughs> She's never, it's been 20 years. She, she still hasn't forgotten that. I said, well, was 200 lousy bucks. I said, I piss away 200 bucks before noon most of the time. So, you know. I feel special, uh, you know, because I've had some phenomenal coaches. No one gotten to know you over the years for, for a long time. You've been incredibly, you know, um, incredibly, you know, supportive of my family as well. And what my parents have gone through, my dad's gone through. And so it's incredible. But now I get the opportunity to take that wisdom that I've known from you and do it right now to the director of ops that we are fortunate. You know, it's not even full time, but it's part time that helps or other young coaches to try and bring them along. Because actually, I feel right. like for us to actually reach out and do that stuff. Yeah, we were bought beers. Yes, we were bought, brought coffee. Hey, get text. Hey, do you want a cup of coffee? Yeah, you know what? I'll take one. And yep. you don't want it, but you did it. Or, hey, let's bring them one. You have to give that kind of stuff back. Coach, yep. Yep. I, I know you're you're up late. You've had some water. You had a little bit of a dinner. I really appreciate the conversation tonight. It's been incredible with you. It really has. Well, it, it's been fun. I hope I hope I. I hope nobody's listening to this that knows me well here, or you might find me in a ditch in Alabama. <laughs> no, it, it, I think you'd rather be in a lake in, in Minnesota, but you know. <laughs> no. yeah. um, but, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. No, you absolutely will be. You're doing an incredible job. We love the fight that you're doing. We all support the fight that you're doing. I think that's safe to say from all of us here um, because we all are, you know, we're all scared for watching the programs in Central Michigan, Arkansas, William and Mary. Um, yep. We can just, just to name a few of the programs that have been um, changed uh, again to no to no fault of their own, no matter what the cases happen. So, um, again, to those listening, uh, we want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for taking you know that 60, 70 minutes out of your day, whether it be you're sitting back, relaxing, have a cup of coffee, if you're on your walk, you're on your run, whatever the case you might be doing. Thank you for making this uh, a top 40 podcast in the United States in the running category. That's something we love and we're very, very excited about. We're going to keep striving to do better each week. Thank you to our panelists for being here, for, uh, to Mr. Darren Flowers. Again, Better Someday is the track. You heard that on the way in. You're probably going to hear that on the way out. Um, go ahead go to SoundCloud. Um, and go to SoundCloud. You can download the app or you can just go to the website, soundcloud.com, and go ahead and get your free download from that. He's being a very, very generous gentleman. He should probably charge like 10 bucks per piece on that one just so he can make some extra money during this, this time. But um, ladies and gentlemen, we love having you. It was great having you. Um, next week, we'll try and do even better. But uh, gentlemen, panelists, thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, guys. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks so much. Yep. Good luck. Take Let care. Okay. Help in any thank way. you. Thank you. Healing time But time moves slow How will we get through this? I don't know Just believe me when I say That it's gonna get better someday